Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis and chapter number one. The book of Genesis, chapter number one, we're four messages into this creation seminar where we've been laying some groundwork bit by bit by bit. And this is going to be the last time we open with Genesis chapter number one. However, yet this is an important one for our discussion today. The book of Genesis and chapter number one. The book of Genesis chapter one. And if you don't mind beginning with me in Genesis chapter one, and verse number one, the book of Genesis chapter one and verse number one, the Bible says this, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Again, as we hit verse number six, the Bible says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, and if you haven't already, if you've been a member of this church for a while, please underline the word firmament. The word firmament. And this is going to be an important word as we discuss today. What was the Garden of Eden like? What was the Garden of Eden like? If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great privilege it is to be here in your house, to open up your Bible, and to be able to preach about a wonderful, exciting topic. I'm thankful for this opportunity and I'm praying that you would just open up the influence because of this message even more. Now with a message such as this and uh, so familiar to me, it will be very easy to attempt to preach this in my own flesh, in my own intellect, with my own know-how, with my own experience. And I don't want any of that. So the best I know how, I surrender myself now and ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit to put things in order, to put this the way that you desire it to be, and to get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. Thank you that we could trust you in these things, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> The Bible continues on with this idea of firmament in Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 and 16. It says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And God made two great lights, the stars also. 
And verse number seven, God goes back and gives a description of what's going on with the firmament. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So here God says there's a firmament and there are waters that are above the firmament and waters that are under the firmament. So whatever this firmament is, which is an interesting idea, it has waters above it and it has waters above it, below it. The Bible goes on and explains that there are waters up in heaven. Psalm 148 verse 4, praise him ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. So here's another passage that says that here are waters that are above the heavens. And 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 or verse number 5, the Bible says for this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old the earth stand out of the water and in the water. So here it is discussing that (coughs) the earth was standing out of the water and in the water. So what does all this mean? Well, we believe that there was a canopy of water that was surrounding the earth that gave it a protection and had several significant uh, um, effects upon the earth. Well, There's even evidence that there is part of that water vapor still in existence. That as they flew up and NASA's flowed up, they were able to go and test these clouds and find out 51 miles above the Arctic, there's these clouds that drift up high above. Here, (laughs) um, other um, publications make mention that there are water in the space between the stars. So what are the results of a biblical canopy, of a water canopy that would surround the earth. One of the very first things that this canopy would do is that it would block UV light. UV, of course, is ultraviolet light. Now, what this is going to do is decrease the aging process, making it so that way people do not age as quickly. Let me explain this process. A water layer would block out the harmful rays from the sun. We know that the sun produces light. It produces ultraviolet light. It produces X-rays, gamma rays, and other types of rays. There is a lot of different things coming from the sun. When you go and take an X-ray, what they're actually doing is they're shooting holes through your body. And it's going to show up on the very other side as a reverse image. So when the x-rays expose, what happens is as those little uh, rays go through your body, when they hit something tough like bone, it's going to slow down the image and therefore slow down the development and you're able to see what's inside of your body. Well, what happens is that all throughout your life, the sun is shooting holes through your body every day except for cloudy days. So what happens is that your body continually has to repair itself. And as the body continually has to repair itself, this is what causes the aging process. That as long as the sun is shooting holes through you and your body has to repair itself, you are going to lose out that battle with aging. Your skin feels that full force of the sun's x-rays upon your body. This is why before the flood in the Garden of Eden conditions, the average age was 912 years old. That's about 12 times the normal uh, 
average age that we have today. Now that's going to be significant. Keep that in mind for later on. So because of this canopy of water surrounding the earth, it would block out the harmful rays. It will cause it so that way you would, um, (laughs) it would decrease the aging rate, meaning that you would live a lot longer because your body constantly didn't have to repair itself. So as we talked about results of a canopy of water surrounding the earth, it would block UV light, which would decrease the aging process. Something else that would happen because of this canopy is that the temperature would be uniform from pole to equator to pole. There would be a uniform temperature that it would be 70 degrees when you woke up in the coolest part of the day and 75 degrees at the hottest part of the day year round. Now, if you knew that you were going to have a stable temperature, that helps. For example, last week here in Wisconsin, it was 85 degrees during, the, uh, during Wednesday, 55 degrees as a high on Saturday. That 30 degree drop made most of us freeze. We felt that temperature drop. Well, if it's the stable temperature year round, isn't that pretty comfortable? Even those who like it warmer, like it colder, if you know that it's going to be a stable temperature, you could survive with that. So we talked about that it blocks UV light. It it has a temperature uh, stable from pole to equator to pole. Something else that it would do with this um, canopy of water surrounding the earth is that it would cause double oxygen and double air pressure. Now this is going to cause some more technical terms, but are going to be fascinating results. Scientists have discovered air bubbles in fossilized amber, and every time they've tested it, they found that there is double oxygen content inside of the amber in that ancient world than what we have today. <laughs> Some of you might see in the movie Jurassic Park where they tried to go take uh, the blood from the mosquitoes that are in there. Well, there's other things in that amber other than the mosquitoes. You could test those air bubbles. And they find it is double oxygen. It was an oxygen-rich environment back in those days. Scientists have calculated that it's about 50% more oxygen. (laughs) A lot of research for it, and it's been fairly consistent. That today we have about 21% oxygen content in our atmosphere. You're not breathing direct oxygen. You're breathing an oxygen mix. Well, back in the ancient world before the (laughs) flood, it would be about 32% oxygen, which is twice the oxygen content per mixture, which would cause significant results. The only trend in recent literature is the suggestion of far more oxygen in the early atmosphere than anyone imagined. Again, scientists have studied and looked at this, and this has been a very significant event. So we've talking about this canopy that surrounds the earth, that it blocks UV light that causes the aging process to be delayed. It's going to be a uniform temperature from pole to equator to pole. It's going to have double oxygen, double air pressure, which is going to have significant results. One of them is going to be hemoglobin saturation. Now, hemoglobin is something found inside of your blood. The purpose of hemoglobin is to carry the oxygen molecules to the rest of your body. Under double oxygen and double air pressure, the plasma, the, excuse me, 
the hemoglobin would become saturated and the extra oxygen molecules will go into the plasma. When it goes into the plasma, your whole body, the plasma, by the way, is the liquid part of your blood, will be energized. This will make it so you will be full of energy all the time. You would be so full of energy that you would be able to run 200 miles without getting tired. Some of you could use that energy even now. To have that energy, just taking a breath would just be great in that Garden of Eden setting. So, so far we said that it blocks UV light, which causes people to live longer. It's a uniform temperature from pole to equator to pole, double oxygen, double air pressure, which causes hemoglobin saturation. Another effect of double oxygen and double air pressure is rapid healing. Today, if you were to get a cut, it takes about seven to 14 days to heal a minor cut. And that's if there's nothing else going on. But... In Garden of Eden conditions, if you broke a bone, you would be able to heal overnight. That would be pretty significant. A place where people have rapid healing, where diseases will be defeated, where you didn't have to worry about health problems. Some of us are looking forward to that or could use that even now not to have our significant health problems. Now, the word firmament in the Hebrew word uh, in Hebrew is the word rakia. Now, We know that in language, words usually have a deeper explanation. Today, we've got lazy English where we try to use a synonym to help define a word. But words have a more fulfilled meaning. The word rakia in its full definition is this. It means to compress or pounded out and stretched out archway of heaven in thin metal sheets. Now, someone may say, wait a second. You want to say that this firmament is a stretched out archway of heaven in thin metal sheets. How does this work out? Well, let me show you. This canopy (coughs) that surrounded the earth, we believe was made out of water. Now, what two elements make up water? All right. So some of my kids still in school, somebody, all right, adults, Hydrogen and oxygen. So two hydrogens and one oxygen. Well, when you turn oxygen super cold, the only thing that happens to oxygen is it's pretty boring is it just turns blue. Just pretty simple. However, when you take hydrogen and you turn it to super cold conditions, it develops metallic properties. How do we know this? Well, these studies were done at Lawrence Livermore Laboratories. If you're not familiar with Lawrence Livermore Laboratories, they are the people that were tasked for studying and putting together the hydrogen bomb. Do you think they would know something about hydrogen? Just a little bit. And so they were able to do some fascinating studies with hydrogen. So what happens when you turn hydrogen into super cold conditions? What happens is that several different metallic properties show up. It becomes crystalline. It becomes transparent. It becomes fiber optic, superconductive, ferromagnetic, and it turns the color pink. It's pretty interesting. So what do these have to do 
and how do they affect the earth during the pre-flood time, the Garden of Eden times? Well, let's start off with crystalline and transparent. That when hydrogen turns super cold, what happens is that it layers out into thin metal sheets. As it develops these metallic properties, it begins to turn into a crystalline lattice that holds it together and stands firm so it doesn't fall apart. In addition, it also becomes transparent and allows people to view and look through it. Josephus, who was a first century historian in his work, The Antiquities, wrote this, that after this, on a, he's speaking of a commentary of the book of Genesis, after this on the second day, he placed the heaven over the whole world and separated it from the other parts and determined it should stand by itself. He also placed a crystalline firmament around it. Now, by the way, this is a first century historian. These aren't my words. This is someone 2,000 years ago who said, when God created the world, he put together a crystalline lattice around the earth. It's pretty interesting that this isn't a modern idea. This is something that the first century, first century historian Josephus had mentioned in his book. So any metal turns transparent the purer that it is. Now, this is something every Bible believer should remember. Why? Because in heaven, we're going to walk transparent streets of gold. That transparent is trying to put an emphasis that it is pure gold. Now, NASA has also understood and realized this. NASA coats the astronaut's visor with pure gold. What this does is it's going to mimic that Garden of Eden conditions. That this allows the radiation to be reflected. After all, you don't want the, the, uh, <laughs> the astronaut to be cooked. So his suit needs to be protected because outside in space, you don't have an atmosphere to bounce those things off of. So what's going to happen is that it's going to bounce off those harmful rays so the astronaut can survive in space. In addition, that overlay is going to cause a uniform temperature inside of the spacesuit, which is pretty important because it's cold in outer space. Something else is that it allows the astronaut to see clearly and without any clare, glare or false color. You might have heard the old expression of rose-colored glasses, that you put on a tinted piece of glasses and everything looks in that tint. Well, with pure gold as an overlay, not only does it make things crystal clear, but it also enhances the color that you see. See, NASA was able to use science to put it to practice with their own astronauts. We know that when stars, they emit more than just visible light. They also produce the full electromagnetic spectrum, which will cover all kinds of different wavelengths and all kinds of rays that come out of it. The Bible also says in Job 38 verse 7, when the morning stars sang. Did you know that stars sing? That not only do stars produce visible light, but they also emit radio waves. And the Bible says at creation, all the stars sang. Well, does this really apply? Does this really work? Well, NASA has what is called the Kepler mission. It's kind of been shut down, but they still have the archives up and running. The Kepler mission keeps a sound recording of over 500 stars. And they said, this is what those stars sound like. These sounds are all in 
harmony. God, who's a God of music, was able to produce these sounds in harmony. Now remember, with this crystalline, um, transparent vapor canopy around the earth that is frozen and layered out into thin metal sheets because of the hydrogen, what would happen is that this would actually enhance the sounds of those stars. So those people on earth were surrounded by beautiful calming music no matter where you go. God had beautiful creation set up in mind. The biblical canopy would have enhanced this music. In addition, the radio waves could be felt. What does this have to do? You don't need a watch back in the Garden of Eden times. You could feel what time it was. You never have to worry about being late. Isn't that amazing? God knew what he was doing. Well, what else about hydrogen? We know that it becomes crystalline and transparent. But what else about this canopy in super cold conditions as the hydrogen turns into semi-metallic properties? What else does it do? It also becomes fiber optic. What is fiber optics? Well, let's see. Fiber optics allow light to be energized from one side and travel through the conductive circuit to the other side. We've now become a fiber optics society that a lot of our computer and electronics are now fiber optics. It allows super fast speeds and we become dependent upon it. It just happens that this last week in Brown County, uh, someone cut the fiber optic line for the entire county. And it cut off communications to all the schools, police departments, uh, dispatch, fire departments, and so on. Everything was down because someone cut it line. And it's not because of the way that fiber optics work. It's not that you could patch it and duct tape it. They had to go lay down the entire line all again to get communications back up. But why was that a significant event? Because fiber optics becomes a great way. It travels at the speed of light and allows great and massive data transfers. This is a big deal that what happens is that one side is energized because of energy. And even if you tie it in knots, it will still travel in all of its knots and still communicate to the other side. If I was to have a fiber optic cable that had light shining on it, we could actually shine it and it would still, no matter if you bent it, it would still shine at the other side. Pretty amazing. So what does that have to do with this biblical canopy? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the nights. And that God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. So God said he made two great lights. One of them is to rule the day, and one of them is to rule the night. Now, most people will default to say it's the sun and the moon. And they say that because we don't know any different. That's what we realize. But did you know that you could see the moon during the day? So it's not only at night. So how can this be a light for us at night if it's not at night? Could it be that because of this biblical canopy and semi-metallic properties because of the hydrogen, as it becomes fiber optic, what will happen is the light would shown on one side and it would travel to the other side of the earth. As an effect, it would never be totally dark, even at night. That what would happen is that the darkest part of the day would be like a magenta pink. 
It would be like at dusk. It's dark enough that you could go to sleep, but you would never have a reason to be scared of the dark. You see, God has made the Garden of Eden conditions to be wonderful. It's a place where you're relaxed. It's a place where he has beautiful music playing for you all the time. It's a place where you don't have to be afraid of the dark. What a wonderful, wonderful place. What other things do we learn about this metallic properties of hydrogen in super cold conditions? We know it becomes crystalline and transparent. It becomes fiber optic, but something else about um, hydrogen when it turns super cold, it becomes super conductive and ferromagnetic. What do these things have to do with anything? What do they mean? Well, when hydrogen becomes super cold, it also becomes super conductive and ferromagnetic. This combination explains how the canopy was able to stay suspended over the earth. How was, we how was God able to keep it from falling in itself and collapsing and causing all that water to rain upon the earth? Well, we know that the earth is a magnet. So what would happen is that the canopy would actually float over it. This is in scientific terms called the Meisner effect. What's the Meisner effect? The Meisner effect is because of super cold conditions, a magnet can float over a superconductor. Remember that I told you that these experiments on hydrogen were done at Lawrence Livermore Mag um, Laboratories. What happened is they were studying this. A guy was playing with magnets and playing with uh, super cold ice, and he found something cool, is that he had a block of ice, and over it he had a magnet, and when he would move the ice, the magnet would stay and float over it. And so he would move it and say, this is cool. Now, like any other guy, when he sees something cool, I want to go show my friends. And so he got in a hurry and went outside the door and slammed into someone. Papers flew up in the air and they're trying to pick up everything. And he's still holding his piece of ice. And as they picked up the papers, he looks and there's the piece of ice, but there's no magnet. So they start looking for the magnet. Where'd it go? The magnet was actually floating underneath his hand, still in orbit of that ice still floating and having that Meisner effect, that that gravitational pull or the magnetic pull was still enough to keep it from falling down because of gravity. Now, this has significant events in our everyday world. For example, we have the Magnet train in China, which is up and running. It travels 600 kilo, uh, kilometers per hour, and it takes only two and a half hours on this train to travel from Beijing to Shanghai, which is a journey of a thousand kilometers for those English people, 620 miles. Now, do you think that you could travel in two and a half miles, 620 miles in just two and a half hours? That's pretty fast. Faster than most of you have ever tried to go. Let's do a comparison. A journey would take three hours by plane and five and a half hours by high-speed rail. So this train could actually make it faster between Shanghai and Beijing than it could by plane. What's happening is that it's got rid of friction because of the magnets and superconductor. The train actually floats above the tracks using the Meisner effect. Now, again, this is just trying to explain how this canopy stays over the earth and not falls into itself. It is because it's acting as a magnet because of this hydrogen developed into semi-metallic properties. So we've discussed so far that hydrogen, when it turns super cold, turns crystalline, transparent, fiber optic, 
superconductive, ferromagnetic. Something else that happens to this is it turns pink. My daughter loves this because pink's her favorite color. Now, what does this have to do? How does this affect? Well, the canopy would set off a certain frequency of the color pink. This pink frequency causes the body to produce a chemical called norepinephrine. That's a big biochemical that your body can produce. This color pink, the frequency of it, sets something off in the body to produce this natural uh, biochemical, norepinephrine. Now, in your body, between the nerves and the nerve ending is a small space. So if you have your nerves and you have your nerve ending, there's a small little space. In order for that space to get the signals to it, a small jolt of electricity has to jump between it. That's how your nerves work. The electrical currents must drop across the space. So sometimes when we're stressed, we say that we have frayed nerves. What happens when you're tense and you're stressed out? That nerve and the nerve ending, there's more space in between them. So it causes more work and more bioelectricity to jump in between them to complete that circuit and to get across those signals. So when we say that we're having a bad day, at least an old expression, I, I have frayed nerves. Well, it's actually from this idea that your nerve and nerve endings, there's more of a separation. There has to be more work that has to be done to get the signals across for your body. Well, norepinephrine is a chemical that allows the conductivity in between that nerve space and it becomes a natural relaxer. That with a certain color pink, you now produce a chemical called norepinephrine. The norepinephrine actually goes between the nerve and the nerve ending to help complete that circuit so it takes less work for your body and because of that less work, you become more relaxed. Now, they did some experiments with uh, massive uh, weightlifters. We got some guy who lifts up here. So imagine those deadlifts, you know, ones where you pick it up, these those big massive guys with barrel chest. In order to lift, they could lift some amazing weights. What happened is that they allowed them to lift what they could. Then what they did is they all showed them this color pink. Then as the weightlifters went to go pick up the, bot, the, uh, the weights, they couldn't lift it. Why? Their body became naturally relaxed. And they <laughs> didn't have that strength because their body was in a relaxation state. There's actually a company in Waco, Texas, a glasses company that actually takes a pair of glasses and tints them this color pink. And they give it to truck drivers and they could drive truck all day wearing these glasses. And at the end of the day, they still feel energized and relaxed rather than stressed out because of the things on the road. Now, if you're willing to wear pink colored glasses all day, that's up to you. But man, could you imagine to have natural relaxation all throughout your day because of this frequency of pink relaxing your body and causing you to be less stressed? You see, God had made this world to be a place where we had beautiful music, a place where we had a perfect temperature, a place that if you got hurt, you would heal right away, a place where you'd be naturally relaxed, a place where you didn't have to worry about the dark. Sounds like a wonderful place, right? So that bodes the next question. It sounds good, but can it really happen? I mean, it sounds good in theory. Can this really apply? Does this really exist? Or is this science fiction? Well, let's look at two different examples. 
The first one is Dr. Kimori of the University of Tokyo. He raised tomato plants. Like most Japanese, he loved to grow things. However, he had an office that was in the bottom of the university where no sunlight was at. So what he did is he ran fiber optic cable from the top of the roof to get the sunlight and ran it down to the basement to his plants. What happened with this fiber optic light is that it filtered UV light and allowed the plant not to go through that aging process. With this, it filtered out that UV light. He, I was also told that he also pressurized CO2. So what he did is he put double air pressure or double oxygen, or in this case, his plants breathe double carbon dioxide. And so the plant had more carbon dioxide to process. What would happen from this is that Dr. Kimori, um, pause, how long does a normal tomato plant usually live? One year. So after one year, <laughs> it grew Two years, the same plant, still alive, grew 903 tomatoes. Year six, the same plant grew 30 feet and yielded 5,000 tomatoes. In year 12, it grew 20,000 baseball-sized tomatoes. That's pretty significant. Remember that I said before the flood that the ages... Average age of people were 12 times what we have today. At, this plant lived up to 12 years. And Dr. Morey died in 1993, but his work continues today. You could see the largest tomato plant. That's one plant. One plant. And you could go see it as this experiment and this practice still is in play. They have these all throughout the city here where you can go and see a huge plant. And they have it under these domes where you can look at one plant and see all these tomatoes that grow from it. Why? Just reproducing Garden of Eden conditions. Pretty interesting, isn't it? What else? Well, some of you might remember... In the 80s, you had baby Jessica McClure, who this little baby did the splits through an eight-inch pipe, and it took 58 and a half hours to rescue her. I remember as a kid in Texas watching this on the TV, that was pretty much all that was on, and everybody was concerned about this rescue. I mean, her whole backyard was full of people trying to dig out this pipe and pull her out, and again, she was stuck in there for 58 hours. After 58 hours of doing the splits, you could just imagine that blood circulation had stopped flowing in her legs especially and in her arm. And because of her being stuck for so long, it would go through the things where her body, her arms and legs would become numb and then eventually uh, there wouldn't be enough oxygen replacing it and parts of her body would start to turn black because of the lack of oxygen. When they pulled her out, they were pretty much sure that they were going to have to amputate a leg. But before they uh, started to do something significant, someone stopped her, uh, stopped them and said, let's try something. Let's put her in what is called a hyperbaric oxygen table. Now, this was originally invented for divers. When divers would come up too fast, nitrogen would go into their joints and it would give them what was called the bends. It would be uh, a very uh, painful uh, joint 
uh, pain. And so what would happen is that if they came up too early, they would put her, put them in a hyperbaric oxygen t- uh, chamber. And what they would do is that they would slowly uh, lower the pressure to allow that nitrogen to disseminate out of their joints. So that way they wouldn't feel the pain. Well, someone said, let's use this same device and let's put double pressure and double oxygen into it and see what happens. What happened was amazing. Then after putting her in for some time, her legs slowly started to turn pink as blood flow and life began to come back to it. They said, well, all right, we won't have to amputate her legs. We'll just have to amputate the bottom part. Well, as they put her in there some more, blood began to flow to the rest of her leg. And they said, well, we're just going to have to cut off the foot. They left her in there some more. And what happened is that her foot began to turn pink. They said, we're just going to have to cut off her toes. By the time they were done, they only had to amputate a very small portion of her pinky toe. Why? Just reproducing the same conditions of the earth before that time. Baby Jessica's uh, leg and foot were saved because of this hyperbaric oxygen table. Today, she's alive and well as a mother and still functioning 30 years later, all with all of her appendages still (laughs) attached because of this hyperbaric oxygen table. Now, hyperbaric oxygen table are used much more in today's medical landscape. Since that time, people have found all kinds of wonderful uses for a hyperbaric chamber. Here are the things that it is FDA approved for right now. That if you had a condition, you could get FDA approval to go get this treatment for carbon monoxide poisoning, for crush injuries, for failed skin grafts, for gas gangrene, for uh, necrotizing soft tissues, for sudden hearing loss, thermal burns. All of these things are FDA approved. There are also a ton more treatments that are not FDH approved, but is regularly practiced. Here's the list here. Uh, Anoretic brain injury, arthritis, certain cancers, cerebral palsy, chronic pain, Lyme disease, fibromyalgia, uh, Crohn's disease, concussions, surgery recoveries, strokes, sports injuries. All of these things are commonly used today inside of a oxygen, um, hyperbaric oxygen table. In fact, within <clears throat> every sports team has access to it. It's just common practice now that every sports team has one. After all, if you're paying the guy millions and millions of dollars to throw a football, you don't want him out because of his Achilles heel being torn up. You want him back on the field. You put an investment on him. Uh, Within an hour of Green Bay, there are at least five places offering hyperbaric treatments. So they have access to here. I know people personally, a pastor who went through hyperbaric treatment. In fact, you could even rent or buy a hyperbaric chamber for your own house if you have money. But you could have it for your own house and you could have these treatments. Just think about this, how they're just catching up with medical science with what God did originally inside of the Garden of Eden. So someone may ask, well, what does it matter to me what the conditions of the earth were? I mean, after all, the Garden of Eden is a long ways away. We don't live there now. How does this affect me? This is good information, but so what? Well, 
The Bible speaks about in the book of Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 2. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid a hold of the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat on them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So in this passage, six times in seven verses, God refers to a thousand years. So how long do you think God meant? A thousand years. We could figure that out with no help. This is what we refer to as the millennial kingdom. It is a time where Christ is going to rule and reign upon this earth. Now, according to the Bible, God is going to reestablish Garden of Eden conditions inside of the millennial kingdom. May I show you some examples of this? What will be the, the uh, millennial kingdom be like? It's a place where people will live a thousand years. Once again, having that extended lifespan. It's a place with perfect temperature and a perfect atmosphere of peace. It's a place with rapid healing. It's a place where creation will praise God. It will be a place where the night will be as bright as the day. It will be a place where everyone will be calm and relaxed. Amen. A place with no more wars and no more strife. So here's some questions to ask yourself. Concerning what we learned about the millennial kingdom, learning what we learned about the Garden of Eden and these conditions, here's some questions to ask yourself. First of all, are you going? Are you 100% sure if something was to happen to you, are you 100% sure you'd be going? Well, how do I know for sure? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. By recognizing that you are a sinner. And because of your sin, you've offended a holy, righteous God. And that because of that, you deserve to be separated from the holy, righteous God and away from His presence. Unfortunately, when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven to be with Him or to be separated to an awful place called hell. Now, God never created a single human to go to hell. He created hell to punish, punish Satan and his demons. But man goes there by default because there's nowhere else to go. And so someone who is a sinner deserves to be separated from God and his presence. But the good news is, is that God didn't want a single person to go to that awful place called hell. So God robed himself in flesh and came down on this earth to dwell among us. Jesus lived the same life that you and I lived with, the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then he died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. And all that is left is that we must pray 
personally accept Jesus to be our Savior. When you do that, you have God's promise of everlasting life and that his promise that you will be with him, not only in heaven, but also during the millennial kingdom. There's a second question I want to ask you is who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? If you know that heaven's going to be a wonderful place and you know that the millennial kingdom's going to be a wonderful place, who are you bringing with you? Who have you purposely told about coming, about heaven, about how they can know for sure that they're going? Man, I would hate to go to heaven and find out one of my loved ones didn't make it. I'd hate to go to heaven and find out that some of the people that I grew up with didn't make it. We have a responsibility of telling them, especially since it's a free gift, to tell them how they can know for sure. So who are you bringing with you? But there's another question I want to ask you. What is the response when you finally get there? When you finally make it to heaven, what is the type of response you are going to get? We say, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 26, it says, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and ashamed of my words, of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and his father and the holy angels. One entrance that you can make is that you've accepted Christ as your savior, but when you die, Jesus is going to meet you there and say, oh, I'm glad you made it. Sorry that you didn't love me. Sorry you didn't care for me. I mean, come on in. He'd be ashamed of you because you were ashamed of him. Is that the type of entrance that you want? That you don't want anyone to know here that you're a Christian because you're ashamed to be a Christian? You're ashamed to be a follower of God? You don't want people to figure it out and find out that you are saved? Or you could have this. The gospel record of Luke, once again, in chapter 12 says, And I say unto you that whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. Here's the second way that we could go to heaven and Jesus is waiting for us. But this time he says, hey guys, this is the guy I was telling you about. This is the one who loved me. Oh, come on in. I want you to meet everyone. Is Jesus going to be happy that you're there? Or is he going to be ashamed of you because you were ashamed of him? What is the entrance you are going to make when you finally meet with the Lord? Now with all of this, we've been talking about the Garden of Eden and talking about this wonderful place. And this sets up. Now, of course, we know that man's the one who messed it up. Sin is an awful thing. But we're thankful that we can go back and use science to encourage people about what was the Garden of Eden really like. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 
920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.